0: So today here I have Nathan, who's actually my cousin, but he moved away a number of years ago. It's something that we're going to get into in this podcast, but uh, I'll kind of give him the floor. He's a father. He's a a communications technician. And uh, hey, Nate, welcome to the podcast. How's it going?
1: It's going wonderful, better than I deserve, actually, (laughs) as as somebody you may know says. Yeah, you know, I feel that same way, too. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, th- thank you for having me on. I, I, I've actually been uh, very intrigued by your podcast and uh, inspired a lot uh, listening to a lot of the episodes. Um, so myself, I, I, like you said, I, I moved back up here. I moved up here from down south, mainly for work, um, actually. And uh, I had a plan, a, a five-year plan, like most people who move away from their hometown do. And, and my five-year plan got shaken up uh, quite significantly, right. you could say, very early on. In fact, um, it was in the first year I met uh, my now wife, Lisa, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we have two children now. We have a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. Our son is seven and our daughter is six, and we homeschool. We, we made the decision to homeschool versus going through public school. Because the school district, the catchment that we were in, not the district, the, the catchment for the school that we were in, was more of an inner city school. Yep. And, and we, rather than having them go into that school, uh, we decided we would like to try homeschooling. We had discussed it beforehand. And it just so happened that we found a house, we purchased and we moved before they ever started school. And we moved into a much better school catchment but since we were already enrolled in homeschooling, we uh, we went with it.
0: You know what? And yeah, we can kind of roll right into this, too, because that, that's something that do you think you would have kind of had that inspiration or had that if you hadn't moved from the big city
1: to a small town up north? Oh, man, I I highly doubt it. Yeah. I highly doubt it. I had I'd always envisioned uh, you may remember I went to a private Christian school down there yep. for a, for a number of years. I always envisioned my children going to that same private school. Right. Um, they it seemed to me, it it appeared to me that the the quality of the academics and the quality of sports and and the bands, everything, their all their programs were bigger and brighter and more. I I guess in it was in my mind a lot of it. It yeah. just seemed to be better. But as we've become parents and as we've learned through educating our children a lot of it is what you make it to be yeah. and and it I, I never i never would have imagined myself homeschooling ever and it's it, funny because i had homeschooled friends growing up yeah i mean um, even
0: even I was homeschooled for, I guess it would have been kindergarten, but I was homeschooled grade one. And I, I, I mean, we share that too. We didn't go to the same private Christian school, but I did go to a Christian school for three years as well. And then I switched out to so get in the apprenticeship program. Cause I, I sucked sitting in class. <laughs> I can't do a desk. So
1: I had to get my hands on to something it's funny you say that because I had a, I had the very similar. I actually flunked out of that school. Um, yeah. I I failed Bible class, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It's That's... pretty
1: important one at a at a private Christian school. Yeah. Uh, is Bible class. Yeah. So yeah. they said I, I could retake it during the summer or I could find a different school. Yeah. Uh, but
0: did I tell you that? Uh, actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I got I got suspended from Christian school one one time in Bible <laughs> class. My uh, my teacher who we didn't get along very well. Like, I don't know. I was I was a bit of an ass a lot of the time growing up. And uh, and I found this shirt at like Value Village or something. And it had like a, it was a picture of And it just said, Jesus is my homeboy. And it was like him doing the West coast signs. And I wore this this thing to class. My teacher's like, Zach, get out of here, get to the principal's office. And I got suspended. Sure enough for wearing a Jesus is my homeboy shirt, but (laughs) it's my one and only suspension. But it, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I got kicked out of Bible class and
1: kicked out of school for a week. So, wow. Wow.
0: Yeah. So that, uh, that's funny though. I didn't realize that you'd flunked out of Bible class.
1: Actually. I, I had actually, um, and it, it led me on a on a, on a much different path. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually I graduated from a, a fine arts school, Langley fine arts school right. as a music major, obviously, because I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I guess for your listeners, it wouldn't be so obvious. Uh, my right. my right. dad is a piano teacher, private piano teacher. He has been uh, his whole life. I grew up basically sitting under a piano. I went to bed listening to piano playing and I woke up listening to piano playing. So you could say I was indoctrinated. <laughs> I guess. Now,
0: nowadays, that's a that's a big hot button word. So yeah, totally. You were indoctrinated. It is. It, yeah, like.
1: <laughs> yes. Exactly. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Really. There you go. You're a victim. <laughs> Listen to that.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how was? Uh, so that's awesome. So you got through high school. So now transitioning to moving up north. Like, what was what was the first thing that kind of um, you had to adjust to, or what was the biggest adjustment moving from you know the Vancouver area to? up northern
1: northern bc oh man the first there Maybe was the most memorable anyway there were so many adjustments i think that <laughs> the the most the most memorable part actually and it wasn't really adjust, i guess it is an adjustment mm-hmm. it, it was somewhat of a it, it what actually came before i moved up here was the first adjustment it was learning to trust that people say what they mean or that they're going to actually follow through with what they say and they're not saying things just to um just to get something out of you or to take advantage of you temporarily i and it's really related to work a lot of it um i i relate a lot of things back to work and i I, i've listened to your podcast um Mm -hmm. and i noticed that you do a lot of the same it just seems to work and be easier but
0: I, I agree. I use the same. Yeah. The same kind of yeah analogies when I'm, t- when I'm thinking about it as well. Yeah.
1: A lot of my, a lot of it is just because my life has often revolved around my work or mm-hmm. our lives, I guess, as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, really the biggest adjustment was, um, was trust really was, was trust and learning that, that people, other people, strangers, Really do care about you. Um, it was quite interesting. It's and I I constantly say it to people who are thinking of moving up here, or have just moved up here, or people who lived here their whole lives and never experienced somewhere else, uh, mm-hmm. such as the Vancouver area. Mm-hmm. Um, that people just are friendlier here. Sure. It's hard to quantify. But people are just more open and friendly, and it feels like you know everyone, or at least uh, it you get a sense that you could know anyone up here, totally. And oftentimes, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to say
0: one thing: the, the yep. mic is rubbing on your collar, and so I can I'm hear. Sorry, that. no, it's all good. They're perfect, perfect. Okay. Even if it's just sitting inside your collar, it's no problem. You don't have to hold it up. I don't think it just got caught on the outside. That's perfect. Okay, yeah, all right. Um, I'll yeah, wait, no, 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 no. You can definitely move. Get comfortable. Uh, it's funny that you say that because I had spent, I want to say probably nine months up in Northern BC, up in Smithers is where I was working out of for a long time. And I had actually moved up and rented a basement suite up there. And I remember I remember distinctly, I almost had like that defensive edge. Like when people were nice to me, I, I, I didn't know how to take it because coming from the big city, I, I agree. You don't really get that to the same extent, whereas people actually do care feel Like people will be like, oh, can I bring a dinner? And a lot of the time I'm like, I don't want to be a bother or like, I don't know what what you're wanting to get out of this, like, no, I'm good. I'll take care of myself type thing. It took exactly. me, it took me a long time to get used to that idea. And, and I agree. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, I'm sure if I had stuck up there
1: longer, I would have gotten to know a lot more people that way. It, it, for sure. It, and it, like you said that you get that it's, it's somehow it's built into, into us in the city, that defensive edge, like you yeah. said, Yeah. you just, they want something or yeah or there, there's, it's just like a, a natural defense to protect yourself, or you don't want to be a bother. You're, you know, that everybody's time is, is precious. It's made really clear in the city. Everyone is super busy. Mm-hmm. And if they took that time out, it's, there's obviously something else underlying that some underlying motive. Yeah. Like and there's a cost associated to it. There is a cost. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of the biggest adjustments adjustments for me for sure. Mm-hmm what and And then I I guess another one would be the weather which (laughs) I remember yeah and this this one I do remember distinctly I remember looking at the um at the thermometer outside the the place that I was renting I I rented a a room in a basement of a lady who was grandparents of one of my dad's piano students okay so you had a a a bit of a link there I had a bit of a link yeah and and so um so I remember looking at, out at the thermometer. You know, I moved up here uh, in the first week of February, right before my birthday, right before my twenty-second birthday. You 22nd moved in birthday. February. I moved up Are here you in February. Crazy? I drove crazy? <laughs> if anybody knows, any of your listeners know the Pine Pass or know yeah. how to uh, Google the Pine Pass. Um, it's it's quite a treacherous road, and I moved up here. In the first week of February, it had just been a, a, a record-breaking snowstorm. And I drove my 1989 Ford Ranger on 35-inch mud tires <laughs> up here in February. I remember that pass. truck.
0: I remember that truck, too.
1: That's was, amazing you made it there. <laughs> it, it was a miracle, really, yeah, um, yeah. that I made it to your life. I had no idea what I was doing. I, yeah. didn't, I did not do one ounce of research on the road yeah. before I left. I thought it would be like driving between and Angelac. Obviously, that's a highway. This is a highway. Right. Just, right. Yeah. I remember passing by walls of snow that were 16 feet high and thinking, what have I got myself into?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and- I, I remember very similar experiences. I think the first time I went up to Smithers was it was probably January, February as well. And I had my old red Jeep. And so, I mean, at least the four by four was good, but I had, yeah, I had mud, mud trains on there too. I had no idea what I was expecting. Like I, I did the same thing. No, no uh research, no nothing. I figured it was all going to be like the freeways down here. Then I got up past Cache Creek and then I got into like Hickson that, you know what, for whatever reason, that last stretch between Hickson and Prince George is just a blizzard. Every time I've ever driven through it, it's a nightmare, but yep. it, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't compare to the pine pass I imagine, but that's uh but I, I I know exactly what you're talking about as far as just that inexperience and all of a sudden getting hammered with completely
1: different weather oh yeah so that was that was one major another major adjustment for sure mm-hmm. was um was that and then the, the temperature um, you, people will often say, uh, you know it, it gets cold here, but it's a dry cold well <laughs> right, I mean right right yeah minus thirty seven and windy is still very, very cold, oh, uh, yes. you know. Everything exposed freezes, um, and very, very instantly. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it. Even as, even to this day, sorry, uh, I still, I still sometimes forget. Uh, I forget that I, I just go outside mm-hmm. to grab something from my truck or to take out the garbage, grab the the our plastic garbage bin to roll it to the road with bare hands, and. <laughs> Of course, being, you know, a 30 year old male, yeah. I'm already there. I'm not going back for gloves. What am no. I, you know? God. So I go all the way to the road and I regret it for the entire rest of the day because my hands are burning. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You get that wind burn. It's horrible. Yeah. And, and, uh, or my hands are stuck to the handle when I get there. <laughs> you ever seen that, that movie where the kid licks the, the flagpole? Oh yeah. And his tongue is stuck. I've oh, done yeah. that with, with my bare hands by accident. Ugh. Yeah, after doing it with gloves, then I took my gloves off, and of course we all do those things. Where you look back on it, you go, "What was I even thinking?" Obviously, I wasn't.
0: Obviously, no.
1: Yeah, so that was a major adjustment uh, for me moving up here. It there's so many. I, you, we could go through an entire episode on <laughs> on adjusting to small Just- small town life. There's there's so many differences. I often I, I tell people one of the biggest things to to uh, try and keep in mind is everything about here is about 180 degrees different from everything down there. Your shopping experiences are going to be polar opposite. Your interactions with daily interactions, with people are going to be, well, maybe not your daily interactions with people like every one of them, but your outside daily interactions. I mean, I can't even tell you the number of times i've run into relatives or mm-hmm. or people from my church or uh people that i know from work or from past work or who i've met once or twice but here you still or there recognize or remember anyway. recognize, yep. and recognize then you stand there and talk with them for half an hour in the middle of the mall and then you see somebody else you recognize right and right. then And then they see somebody you recognize and soon enough, you've just been in the mall talking for two and a half hours and never did anything.
0: Is there any, do you experience any downside to that? Like, cause I remember, I remember even in Smithers, like anything happened and like, it felt like a lot more people knew about the bad stuff at the same time too. Like I, I, found that it's a great experience when you kind of get to know people and you really do feel that sense of camaraderie with everybody but is there like kind of that little underlying sometimes like everybody knows everybody's business at the same time oh
1: absolutely it is so (laughs) yeah yeah it's so true um and and i'm pretty sure there are there are multiple tv dramas on that very subject and (laughs) they are all true yeah they're all it is absolutely the the rumor spreads like wildfire, there are entire because the the town is small enough. There is one Facebook page for the entire town gossip. So that's so funny, right? So you yeah. you all you need to do is go to one Facebook page. You have everything. Yeah, uh, and everybody knows everybody knows everybody. So yeah, you know Absolutely. that's
0: that's funny about the stereotypes of small towns. I mean, one of my favorite sayings is that stereotypes don't exist in a void, and it's funny to hear yeah, the truth behind that one.
1: So it is it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, like I said, like I have a kind of a taste of moving to a small town, but it was just for a shorter term thing. It was for a job project and I ended up moving back as soon as we got flights cleared so that I could fly back to Langley and then back up North every two weeks. But um, that's awesome. So when it comes to work, I think you said something that I found, I find really interesting. You said, you know how your life generally revolves around work and that's always, that's a big part of life. I think, I think nowadays like I have a feeling you kind of feel the same way but a lot of the times people look down on that idea of hard work as a part of your life and that more work is something that you just want to kind of brush aside, get done as fast as you can and then go on to whatever this dream is. like I think you have the same kind of mentality with work like I I like to go to work because it fuels and it basically funds my life. like I don't necessarily have to find my job is, the dream job. It's all, you know, rainbows and unicorns at work. I, I, I enjoy my work, but what I really view it as is a vehicle to kind of drive my life outward from there and to fund
1: it. Oh, I, I absolutely, I agree with uh, a lot of that. I yep. also, um, I also think, in my case, at least, I really do, uh, I find a, a serious enjoyment and a passion in my work. Yeah. When I I find a really it's a it's a sense of dignity and, and accomplishment when you I think it's it's not just specific to the trades but it is really evident in the trades it's really it's really clear it's super black and white because I, the trade I agree in, in, in trades work you're often you start and complete a job within a relatively close time frame. Yeah. And you can see it.
0: You can see it from the beginning stage, middle and completion. You can see it all the way through.
1: Exactly. You, and you will personally be part of it or have your hands in it, or at least see the person who did accomplish it. You can see your, your contribution. You can see how that helped the whole project succeed. It's an amazing feeling when you contribute to a project that succeeds. And most trades projects, eventually succeed it's kind of the point right yeah if you're if you're building a uh, an industrial complex and uh to to for different renters to to lease out space mm-hmm. you are running all the electrical and say you're doing all of the lighting eventually the buildings are going to get built because the developer paid for it to be done right so it's yeah it's going to succeed and you're going to be a part of the success it's yeah it's a really dignifying feeling and then Seeing that hard work rewarded in kind, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it funds your life. But, um, I, I find that my work often, um, it, it's more than just about funding my life.
0: It, yeah. Like you actually find a real purpose and pride in, in your work.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, we actually, this past, uh, this past March, um, and something you said we, we could possibly get into later how the lockdowns affected us, but we, I, I actually got sick mm-hmm. uh, right in the beginning of March there. And I ended up out of work for two months. Um,
0: Just related to the
1: sickness? Not, not solely. It started okay. out related to the sickness. And okay. then because of all of the restrictions um, many sites you had to things changed as far as getting into locations. Right. So you had to sign off on health attestations. You had to be healthy for a certain period of time. And, and there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning, which just caused a lot of work to not start. And so there was a, a big lack of work. There was uh, unknown um, uncertainties about who could come to work and who couldn't. and, and then I had also, I had been sick. So I spent two months away from work and it was, it was quite possibly the hardest time in both my life and my wife's life in recent yeah. history. Yeah. Um, man.
0: I, I'm just going to touch on one, th- sorry, I'm going to grab my pencil to take notes. Cause I don't want to miss out on stuff you said, but I, yeah. I just wanted to go back to one thing that you had said. And it's honestly, it's the reason why I had kind of started this podcast was when you were talking about how, um, you know, you do gain a lot of, a lot of dignity a lot of pride and you can when you can see these projects built and you can see you know if you're building a housing development you know that this is going to provide shelter for people like that was a lot of the inspiration behind this podcast was because if you look at any any sitcom any tv show the tradesperson comes in with his pants halfway down his ass and he's just a bumbling idiot every time right and every there's time. nothing wrong with it it's funny and i know trades like that <laughs> like don't get me wrong again stereotypes yeah. don't exist in a void but the idea uh, this is Honestly, what you had conveyed is exactly the mindset that I really wanted to kind of, um, display or talk to people who had that mindset within the trades, because I, I feel the exact same way. And I think it's important to kind of note it that way. And just to, yeah, to realize that people can really gain a lot of value out of building things with their hands and seeing a project through to completion. It's just, it's a great feeling. And I like the way that you explained that. Um, and yeah, then going back into what you were talking about for the, so that two months, I can imagine that must've been insanely difficult. Like I, I just know personally at my house, if I was around the house for two months, I would drive my wife insane. Like I will drive her insane. If I take four days off, let alone two months, like I I can only imagine the stress financially and just around the house. Like that's how, how did you guys get through that? Like what, what were your kind of coping mechanisms when it came to that?
1: Well, to start off the probably the easiest one to explain the, the would have been the financial side. we actually um, we decided is somehow, by no grand scheme or plan of our own, I got this this inspiration and I have to credit this to to God for really saving us because yep. I never I'm not this smart to come up with this on my own. I thought, hey, this year, we should save for breakup. It's the thing that happens up here every year. Uh, it's called spring breakup. When, when the, the, the ice and the, and the roads all thaw and the ground is no longer hard enough to support heavy trucks and heavy traffic, they basically close down all the projects until the ground dries up. So you have this whole wet season in the spring where almost nothing happens. There is very little work and, and everybody struggles. I said, hey, this is this brilliant idea I just had. Mm-hmm. we should save money for this thing. That's going to affect us financially. Right. And, uh, and we tried to save money. We tried to save money and it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. We, and I had listed my truck for sale because we really didn't need it anymore driving a, a work truck mm-hmm. and, and it sold. And then we got a couple of really good paychecks and we put aside a huge chunk of money and suddenly, boom, I was sick and I couldn't go to work for two months. Mm-hmm. And here we had this huge pile of cash sitting over here that we had pretty much just received, yep. miraculously through the sale of my truck and some and some extra work that happened. And and so that was financially how we 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 came into that period of time and I I ran a whole bunch of calculators and I said basically we could receive zero money for two months mm-hmm. and this will hold us through. Yep. And what do you know what we, uh, we went two months with zero income. We did eventually get onto the CERB yep. um, when the gov- government introduced that. Yep. But, but um, that's how we went through it financially. It, it actually, it felt a little unfairly easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, i f- being being the martyr that I kind of am, sometimes I went. That's we should have had a harder time with that. I didn't deserve <laughs> that, but yeah. But we, but then again, we did prepare that a little bit in advance. So that's something that we now we have learned. We're going to do that every year. Yeah. This this new smart idea, uh, but emotionally coping with it, we really I think missed the 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 uh, missed the eight ball on that one. Mm-hmm. I think we could have done a lot better. There was at first, uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of fear on my part. I, with a lot of the unknowns, and the uncertainties, I was hearing things because I couldn't get, I couldn't leave the house pretty much. I, right. I, I was very, very much incapacitated. I couldn't so much as, as I get off of the couch without going into a coughing fit that would put me on the floor. Um, I, I, so I, I was—it was the sickest I'd ever been in my entire life. Yeah. And and uh, hearing things from people at work saying saying things like these projects are shutting down and they're not planning on starting up until 2021 and and uh, these the all of these drilling all these wells have been stopped until 2022 and these things are canceled and this is canceled and this work is coming back and I I I looked at it with a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, uncertainty and I really started to go down that Facebook rabbit hole of every day looking at Facebook, looking what people were saying, buying into the fear and uh, and buying into the hysteria and I I went I went for it I really did so it Man, it took a while.
0: I can relate to that so much, especially in the beginning like and we didn't go through that same shutdown. we had maybe, I want to say probably 10 business days where everything kind of ground to a halt right at the beginning. But I, I can relate like as far as that fear of cause all of our bigger projects just paused, shut down. Like we'd have little service calls that were rolling through, but I'm talking like I was working maybe two to five hours a day, max just taking care of these service calls. Right. And when you're used to, and you've got, you know, in your case, two kids and a wife, I have four kids and a wife and you're, you know, the, the breadwinner for the family, all of a sudden this comes in. Like as a guy, I I can relate exactly to what you were feeling. Just that fear of not being able to provide. Like that's, you know, that's something I take pride in. It's something that I obviously value above anything else is being able to provide for my family. I'm sure you do too. And it's something that if that, if that gets cut off at the knees and you can't do that, that's an insanely fearful situation to be in.
1: It's a lot of pressure. Yes, exactly. And, And I think, So a lot of that is pressure that we put on ourselves. Absolutely. You kind of, like you said, you're the, you're the primary breadwinner. I'm, I'm the primary breadwinner and, and it just, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, a lot of that, that we, we put on ourselves Yep. and um, just working through that really, it took, it took, almost it it took facing it like you said in your in your podcast a, a, a couple weeks ago and pushing through fear i had to let it go through me yeah. first i was trying to hold it away like a wall i was trying to push against it like a wall and i had to recognize it for what it was mm-hmm. and really let it really let it go through me and over me and under me and around me and re- and recognize that uh, the, it's a, it was a valid fear to yep. to not be able to provide but like you you said earlier in our in our conversation before we, we started being a being a certified tradesperson uh, i i'm almost not uh, what how would you say i wanted to say i'm not unemployable i'm i'm <laughs> right. always always employable so you're always employable my skills are transferable anywhere i i didn't say it in my introduction but i'm a i'm a fully ticketed and licensed automotive technician i I have my provincial inspector's license as well as my air conditioning purchasing license and i i'm a a gm master technician for what that's worth now Mm -hmm. uh there's so (laughs) Like like
0: you said it's transferable man that red seal and those certifications just boom you know what it you can you can get a job anywhere with those things
1: anywhere there's there's a, never a shortage of job postings for any any tradesperson anywhere as long as you're willing to put in the hard work and time and effort i i think that a lot of that has been Been lost, but that's another bunny trail for another time. But
0: um, (laughs) yeah, which is funny because we had talked about that before we hit the record button. But you're right; we can we can go back to another time. So, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, in this this two months, kind of the emotional toll, and once you let that fear kind of get over you, um, what did you have any breakthroughs through that?
1: Absolutely, moving moving through that, I realized a huge part of my problem was I was focusing inward and not outward. Mm -hmm. I still have a wife. I still had two beautiful children. Mm -hmm. We were still in the middle of homeschooling there. They were in the middle of a school year that hadn't stopped because they're, they were not in public schools. So there was no shutdown for them. Their school year was going on. And what I realized was that if I invested the same amount of time, or at least a portion of the amount of time I was investing into feeding my fear through Facebook, Yep. Instead into feeding my children's education, how much how much better I could make their memory about this time. Instead of them remembering the shutdown as daddy was always afraid and and he was in his pajamas every day until five o'clock at night and, yeah. and got laid on the couch all day looking at his phone. Yeah. I got out my guitar, I learned how to play a couple songs because I I have to admit I um my grandpa gave me this guitar when he was still living mm-hmm. and and uh, I never actually put in the time to learn how to play it not really I know a couple of chords but I so I put in some time and we played with the kids I really sparked a uh, a new passion in for music in our son mm-hmm. and he is now taking piano lessons from my dad
0: Oh, that's awesome. Over
1: over Zoom, which he learned to do through through the whole shutdown. Because you couldn't so much take piano lessons in person, his whole business had to transfer to online. Had this not happened, really, in in hindsight, had this not happened, it would have been much more difficult for us to do piano lessons with my dad Mm -hmm. for our children.
0: And you know what? it's amazing kind of what that necessity can breed. Like when all of a sudden everything gets going to a halt and you have to find a different route or a different road to take, to get there. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing what people come up with. I mean, like, like you said, like zoom right now we're talking on zoom and yeah, it's, it's incredible. So sorry, I I cut
1: you off. Go ahead. No, no, not at all. It's well, what you said about how that necessity breeds um, breeds. I, I can't remember what you said about that, but but it, it was only a few seconds ago, but <laughs> you know what? It's late. It, it's late. It's it, all good. It is. It's like, um, it's like a wave. You, they, you can either, you can either let the wave crash over you. Mm-hmm. You can push through the wave or you can ride the wave. There's only three ways around it. A wave is coming at you and, and it really does breed the, the necessity breeds an action or breeds a result. So, yeah. so it, it you either get in in intuitive and get inventive and create a way forward and you go over the wave, or you crash and burn. Yeah. Or you just keep on riding and try to do what you're doing, maintain and survive. And and through that we found ways to do kind of all three. I mean we we definitely some of that COVID wave crashed into us. Yeah. Some of it we found a better way forward and some of it we have maintained and since then I have picked back up. Well, I
0: think that's great. And I mean, like even what you were talking about for saving for the breakup or, but just carrying that forward and kind of the fortuitous timing of when you decide to start planning for that. But now you're right. It's a lesson that you're going to take forward. And that's going to help you every year from now on. Right. I'm sure I know that for us, we've really tightened our belts financially. And you know what? It's funny because like a lot of the posts that you have actually posted on Facebook in the past year, 18 months, whatever, a lot of the stuff associated with saving or with just the economy in general, I find I, I soak it up. Like I find it so interesting because it's not something that I think I'm naturally all that drawn to. Um, But I've been learning a lot. Like, and I find that it's kind of woken up, just gotten me to pay attention a little bit more. Like even, I think you had, I'm pretty sure it was you who had shared something from Dave Ramsey that then got me turned on to Dave Ramsey. And so like, it's just, it's little things like that. It's funny how you can kind of influence different people's spheres. Like that's, I guess the positives of Facebook and social media, but I know, yeah, I know even in sure. my, yeah, even in my last week's episode, I think I, I talked about it, but the last kind of this last wave of rolling lockdowns for, for BC, I really mm-hmm. found that it was kind of the first time that it really hit me hard, apart from the very beginning, kind of adjusting to it at the beginning. Um, I kind of got down and I found that I was sucked into Facebook more and sucked into social media more. And I, I noticed a massive change just in my kind of my attitude, my outlook, just the way that I was reacting to different events. And it's something that now this week I've really tried to cut down on again, try to get off of there. Cause you're right about kind of falling into those rabbit holes and just the fear kind of rolls and compiles and it gets bigger and bigger. And it's uh, yeah, man, it's I know exactly what you're talking about. I, that's something I, again, last week two weeks is something that I've been struggling with but I'm I've kind of set it as my mindset for this week not to and I'm getting back into books and a more a more positive book as opposed to us reading a bunch of World War II stuff which doesn't exactly boost your confidence sometimes but
1: um, no especially in times like this Uh,
0: no no I was reading I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Ordinary Men but it's anyway it's basically just how they got a group of ordinary soldiers to then commit atrocities in the final solution and it's Anyway, the psychology involved is scary and so applicable to today, just in how manipulative people are. But um, anyway, yeah, it wasn't exactly good for my psyche. So I'm <laughs> reading something a little <laughs> bit more more uplifting right now. But I, yeah, yeah, man, like I, I yeah. So anyway, I wanted to kind of let you know, too, that you've kind of turned me on to a lot of things just just through little postings that you've done. I know you aren't very active on there either. The only reason I'm more active now is to post about this podcast, but
1: yeah. That's about it, yeah, generally sure. speaking.
0: Yeah. But um, yeah, and a- actually what you're talking about for positives with the lockdown, uh, the one positive I've had is I actually got like, I'm, I'm speaking into a mic and my I had picked up this laptop and everything right at the beginning of the lockdown, expecting that I was going to have a lot more time on my hands. Um, like I said, we had the first kind of 10 days, two weeks where work really ground to a halt. But since then, it's been pretty steady, at least. I've, we've been very fortunate that way. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for this lockdown, I don't think I ever would have worked up the, the balls to kind of start this podcast. And like we were talking about earlier, it had a, it's bumpy starts, but it's something I, I honestly, I can just pour kind of my passion into and i love doing it now. So it's, uh, it's been a, a good kind of distraction from everything
1: going on around outside as well. Oh yeah. And, and as, as far as bumpy starts go, if you listen to any of the pros, any, mm-hmm. any professional speakers, and And uh, you hear their about their starts. So if they talk about how they started, a yep. lot of them talk about starting, speaking at free events where they had three people in the audience mm-hmm. show up. They had a they had a a hundred person conference room booked for the very first time, and there were thirteen people in the room, and it's it's the most deflating feeling walking out on that stage to give a speech about something that's very close and near and dear to your heart. Yeah. And a topic you spend time preparing about and then to have an audience reaction like that or, or an audience turnout like that. But everyone who, everyone who makes it big at the end starts somewhere. Everyone starts somewhere. Never despise humble beginnings. I yeah. love that. I love that saying.
0: I, I completely agree, and I I uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell, but his idea of the ten thousand hours, and so like yes. basically it takes yes. ten thousand hours of practice to become a master at anything, and it's something I've really tried to kind of drill into my head now because I know that I know that at least heading into this one, I think I'm at eight and a half hours, which computes to 0085 percent. So you know, yep. like not even a tenth of one percent my way there. So it's it's something that I try to keep in my head. Like all right, just relax, you suck at this get used to it. You've got a long time to go. But I, uh, it's funny that, cause I think you listening to, um, kind of motivational speakers and everything. I listen to a lot of comedians on podcasts and they all re- reiterate the exact same thing. You know, when they're starting out as open micers, they're talking to three, yes. four people, they're getting walked out of rooms. Nobody cares. People are booing them off stage. Like it's really, yep. it's, it's kind of cool to hear those humble beginnings from these people who are now, you know, extremely successful in whatever their given field is but it's inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, it is inspiring. And, yep. and oftentimes, we only get to see them at their most successful point. Of course, that's where everybody is seeing them. Absolutely. We, we see the end result. We see the success. We see the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people cheering for them. We see people knowing their name. We see them with sold out shows or whatever where they're, they have a whole organization with their name on it in some cases and and you don't see the hard work and the effort they really put in and and i think that is that's something that we really need to bring back and inspire and pass on to our children that that uh, is the result of hard work dedication and perseverance absolutely and, and and dealing with failures you know like and dealing with failures failing yep. failing forward is really um it's it's and I, i'm Totally going to misquote this and miss <laughs> misappoint it right. to somebody, but it was somebody. I think it was Edison who said he didn't. He didn't. Um, it was about the light bulb. He didn't fail ten thousand times. He just found nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine ways not to make a light bulb.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard that that same
1: concept. I I love yeah. that idea as well. Super misquoted, but that's I know that, and I mean, it's probably the wrong person, but. But you know um, what? You conveyed the thought properly. And
0: if, <laughs> and if anybody wants to look it up, they can. We aren't in here for facts. We're here to just talk feel about. Feel free
1: things. to fact check me while this podcast is playing. Yeah, exactly. Email me. Yeah, the right answer.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, that's uh, I. think that's yeah. That's such a good mindset moving forward too. And it's again, that's kind of the same thing I'm trying to trying to drill into myself with this one. That everything this is all practice. You know, it's all get yeah. into that 10,000 hours it's just working working through it one step at a time and uh yeah so i guess moving into now i mean especially in bc like we just had this new wave of kind of rolling lockdowns and yeah again i think that's where i think honestly like i i think i've talked about it before but it's nice to kind of bounce it off of somebody in person but that to me is the the toughest part of it is the kind of the unknown about what's going to happen next. Like, I don't know about you, but I imagine, I know you're you're big into like financial planning now and stuff, but like it, the yes. idea of having, of having a plan in place that you can really, you, you have a goal that you're going towards. Well, nowadays, like where, you know, all these lockdowns are just going and you have two week windows at a time, max, that you kind of know what's going to happen in front of you. And that I think is what's driving me the most crazy now is just the uncertainty of
1: everything in front of us. Oh, absolutely. The um, and the uncertainty really, uh, really strongly affects plans. Mm-hmm. You, it's hard to, it's hard to conduct any kind of business mm-hmm. in an uncertain atmosphere. Um, in a in a kind of a turbulent market, it's it's hard for us to do any kind of planning, mm-hmm. and it, it's impossible for us as a family to do family planning, especially when we we try to think. Well, for us, for example, my my parents and and all and my sibling and his wife and and their you know my nephews and nieces yep. they live nearer to you, uh, yep. actually very near to you. Yeah, yeah uh, down your, in Abbotsford. Your brother, for my, sure. Yeah, yeah, my brother. Yeah, my one sibling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, they, everyone lives down there. Everyone of my kind of my extended family lives down there. Mm-hmm. In order to get there, it takes quite a bit of, of um, ex- long-range pre-planning. Oh, yeah. It's not something that we can just pick up one weekend, although we have in the past. We have just picked up one weekend and said, hey, we're free. Let's drive down and surprise. We show up. We right. did do that in the past, but it, now with older children and with the, the, the work situation, with the shutdowns, with everything going on with health regulations – Neither can we do that, nor can we plan it three months in events and say, hey, this year we're coming down for Christmas. Because guess what? Surprise, they might decide on December, whatever it is, 17th, when this lockdown is over, Mm -hmm. that we're just extending it. There's another lockdown until January 17th. Surprise, our tickets are canceled because you can't go on an airplane. So,
0: sorry that that's, what's been driving me the most crazy too, is just this fact that like, I'm, I'm a very goal oriented person. Like I have to have something that I'm going at all the time. doesn't matter what it is, but usually it's work yeah. associated or whatever. And like, even just right now, I mean, I had an appointment at my bank, my, who holds my mortgage. And I just basically, I consolidated everything and got it all just shrunk it down. Cause right now I don't know what our, like our plan was to sell in two years and to move into a house. And right now I just, we had, cause we had two years left on our mortgage term. And so yeah. right now I just went in, I said, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of the rates right now. I'm consolidating everything down. Cause I don't, I don't know what the plans are now. I just want to get kind of my nut that I have to cover as small as possible and then go ahead that way. Like it, at least for me anyway, it's taken a lot of pressure off of me. Like I feel like, you know, this is something that's a lot more manageable. It's something that I don't have to worry about as much. It's locked in for the longer term. So at least I kind of have that part covered, but it's, yeah, man, it's tough. Like it, it's really tough not being able to plan a single thing
1: right now. It really is, and and uh, there's there's a lot of different degrees of that as well that that you really don't think about you know, as much that really affect your day to day planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are people going to view what when I go to the grocery store, what time, or mm-hmm. if I take my children or you know, if we do this thing as a family, what happens if, if we have, um, we we decide to? Well, I guess not anymore now. But when we when we were in the in the short term there during the summer, yep. um, allowed to have groups of people gathering, small groups. We had a group of people coming to our house. Uh, we a group of people from our church, a few other couples that we regularly gathered together to watch church because we couldn't go in person. Right. anymore and now how are people going to to view that in the past with their mindset now oh were we one of those those problem super spreaders that have yeah. now caused these lockdowns to have to happen yep. right
0: and man the, like
1: yeah sorry go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off no not at all uh all of these things really put a put an unknown pressure on you that that you can't even you, you don't really account for until you really start to think through it. Um, yeah. And you recognize all of these pressures that, that are surrounding you that, that um, you know, they, they seem like small things, but, but every small thing really adds up. Uh, it really it really adds up and they all come together and, and they start to really affect you, you know, in a serious way.
0: Yeah, man. And like, I, I know, again, like, so in this last couple of weeks, as soon as this kind of this next rolling wave of the lockdowns happened that I think are mm-hmm. it's December 7th or 17th anyway, that they're going until, but the once those were all announced and then I kind of got sucked back into that wormhole, the uh, one of the really like prevailing sentiments was how, oh, like good churches are shut down or, oh, good. Like all these, all these things are shut down. And I think, I think it's such a closed minded idea. Like even if somebody, if you don't go to church, if you don't believe in God, whatever, whatever your beliefs are, that's totally fine. But I think, yeah. I think the part that is most frustrating to me is that, you know, they view it as just this potential super spreader event and not that it's, it is completely essential to people's mental health. It is one of the most essential things. Like it, it gives you kind of that sense of community. It allows you to expere- express your beliefs and it just, it's, it's one of the the key ways to deal with that yeah that mental clarity it's the same with to me like um you know they shut down a lot of the gyms or a lot of the group fitness classes and yeah to me the physical activity is it's immense like it helps me kind of unload some of that aggression or frustration from the week it's just a way for me to kind of work it out and it's something that i find extremely important like i've been going on runs more i think as you know because i've been yeah doing i saw this your, your, Mo- your november challenge november challenge finally yeah. crushed that 60k i hate running by nice. the way <laughs> i hate running so that was a that was a big task for me but i think <laughs> i think that's one of the most frustrating things with dealing with these lockdowns are obviously you're going to have differing views i mean we live in a, a democracy obviously. everybody's going to have differing views but but this idea of just i don't know just it's either you have deaths on one hand or you have no deaths if you lock down is is so false, which is being shown by the suicide rates, by domestic ab- yeah, domestic abuse rates, the overdose rates, alcoholism rates, all of that stuff is through the roof right now. And so I think you know, we can kind of get into that now, but I think uh, I think that's what frustrates me the most is this idea that somehow you know, locking down is this moral high ground and that there's going to be no deaths if we lock down, but while completely yeah. ignoring the mental health aspect that it's just ravaging people right now?
1: Well, a lot of it, I think people don't realize that these events or these places that they're locking down, um, like that, that, that uh, Adamson's barbecue, it's oh, Adam the, Skelly list, in, Adam, in Ontario. Yeah, yep. Yeah, in Ontario, in Toronto, defying the lockdown and then being arrested. Yep. He, he may be standing up and saying enough is enough and he's reopening or he's opening for business. A lot of people look at that and they say, boo, hiss, you know, he should be put away forever. Mm-hmm. They're, they're also criticizing somebody's boss, somebody's friend, somebody's employer, yep. somebody. He is providing a place for some other people to buy groceries. I I often say that that my job is a put food on the table That's Absolutely. what it does for us. As I think it everybody's puts, job are it puts the food on our table. Yep. My, I look at my children and the and my job, my employer's ability to stay open uh, a gives them the ability to eat food. Mhm. It, uh, I'm not so much concerned about me as I am about them. And there, I, I are, there are so many people out there, churches employ people, restaurants employ people, sports centers employ people, entertainment centers employ people, mm-hmm. uh, holiday destinations employ a ton of people. This time of year is one of their biggest business booms. It, it, a lot of businesses, a lot of charities, a lot of organizations, a lot of tourism destinations. This, this part of the year essentially is 80 to 90% of their income. Yeah. It and floats the entire rest of the 11 months. Really does. It yep. really does. And it's, their knees have just been kicked out from them again, the mental health aspect. And then to close down places like um, churches, you're not just closing down the the church service as a lot of people just view church as, uh, you know, 300 people sitting in pews next mm-hmm. to each other, sneezing on each other, and then putting their hands in the air and oh, God, mm-hmm. it's great. A lot of, it, there's, there's a lot of stuff that happens during the week. There's a lot of administering mental health services for different people. There's a lot of group activity that, that happens, groups, of support groups or our physical in meals, you know, physical out meals. meals. Yeah. They do. They do meals. We had uh, a, a ministry start last year where they served meals too. There's a, there's a, um, a halfway house right next to our church Mm -hmm. and that there's a group that started a a meal service in our church for the guys next door. They're all recovering drug and alcohol addicts Mm -hmm. and that's gone. So we're now they're just not getting their hot meals anymore because they can't. Yeah. So who's sad for you? I mean, we have, we have a, a men's group that used to be able to meet in the mornings and that was really it would really carry me through the rest of the week mm-hmm. uh, getting to sit with a, a, a group of other dads mm-hmm. and share share dad problems and share dad jokes uh, <laughs> terrible dad jokes terrible dad <laughs> jokes terrible. <laughs> and have breakfast have yeah. a warm breakfast together yeah and uh, and just starting one day out of the week with another group of guys with positive reinforcement it's not even about church at all. Basically it's, it's, we're just a group of dads. Mm -hmm. We sit together, eat breakfast together, laugh, cry, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll admit that we cry a bit sometimes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we do. (laughs) That mental health support is so important. So And now, and now people, the only mental support we're getting is negative Mm -hmm. from being at home and, and, watching what comes through the news Mm -hmm. and what comes through Facebook and that's all our
0: yeah and like neither of us have a callous approach to this at all like it's not like we're looking at this and saying you know everything should open up everything should open up that's that's not the case I don't think you share that as well like to me you know and I I know we obviously we have the same grandpa I talk to grandpa a bit not as much as I should I need to do it more but like, I know that I talked to him last week, and he was saying how, you know, several people in his home, they haven't had a COVID outbreak or any cases of it in his home. But he's said specifically that there have been a number of people who have passed away over this, this lockdown period alone. And he was talking about how hard that lockdown is on them. And it's not, you know, like, this isn't a calloused approach, like nobody wants to infect, infect those who are you know, most susceptible to the disease, we still need to, you know, protect those people. And neither of us are saying not to, but this idea of just everything locking down and the mental toll it has on everybody. It's just, it's crazy to me. And it's treating, to me, it feels like we're all being treated like infants, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, you were talking about this before, but you'll travel 200 300 K to a site in the middle of a blizzard or in the middle of a complete black ice sheet of a, of a highway. Or I'll drive, you know, if I'm driving into Vancouver, I have roughly a four-hour commute between to and from every day, right? And that's, those are huge hazards that we're putting on, that we're we're taking, you know, voluntarily to go to work. Like that's, you know, I could yeah. get hit by a semi any day. You could fly off the road into a snowbank or off a cliff. Like there's, there's inherent risk in everything we do. I think I personally would just like to be treated like an adult in this. Like if I, like, I mean- Thank God that uh, Alberta released some numbers, but the rest of Canada is so mum on any actual breakdowns for these COVID numbers that it's, I think that that would clear up so much because at least people could make a reasoned and calculated reaction to this. You know, you could decide if this risk is something you want to face.
1: Well, information, really information is knowledge and knowledge is power. Yeah information leads to knowledge and and knowledge knowledge is power you can't make an informed decision without the information without having the actual numbers we can't know if it's a calculated risk that we want to take or if we want to uh, avoid essentially and like you said nobody nobody myself included wants to put the the most vulnerable people in our in our in our population at risk nobody wants to put our our most vulnerable citizens at risk or any citizens i wouldn't want to see anybody at risk ultimately i i would love this thing to just like pew, disappear yeah in reality i know that's not that's not that's not a uh, that's not a real expectation that's not a reality that's that's kind of a fantasy right like, viruses exist all around us yeah and they, they continue to exist and but, they continue to evolve as well. And they continue to evolve and change and adapt. And we continue to adapt and change. And, mm-hmm. and our medical system continues to adapt and change. And that is, um, that is very important and necessary. And it has already happened for hundreds of years. We have adapted our medical system to the challenges of the day. I don't see why we can't do it moving forward. All of a sudden we're unable to rely on our medical system. And instead we have to rely on shutting down our lives.
0: And Um, I should, I should also say that neither of us are epidemiologists in case that wasn't amply obvious.
1: (laughs) We're we're, licensed mechanic. I am not a medical professional.
0: No. And I am a licensed electrician, but. But, you know, this uh, what I like, what I really wanted to get into with you is just, you know, the way that it affects a blue collar working person. Like, you know, you look online and you see these videos from whatever some, you know, some Hollywood star or whatever telling everybody to stay at home. Well, you look in the background, they're on six acres with their pool and their hot tub in the background. It's like, come on, like we're. You know, we may be facing the same storm here, but we're in vastly different boats. Like, let's let's be real here.
1: Yes, yes. I, I like how you make that that distinction. It's we're in this a lot of people. I think uh, I think even our leaders said that at the beginning, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, was, I, I can't it, take it credit 200. for that, by the way. I read yeah. it
0: somewhere and it's stuck. Yes. with me. It's so yes. good.
1: We're not in the same boat. We're yes. all in the same ocean. We're in the same storm. Yes. in different boats. Vastly so, different know, boats some, some, some people's boats are pretty nice. Yeah. They're like luxury cruise liners. And some of our boats are like a four foot rowboat with yeah. a couple of holes. Or like, you know? like they a castaway
0: raft. We've got Wilson strapped to the side and we're just <laughs> playing it on for dear life. Like, you know, yeah. it's, and it's crazy to me that, you know, when you get lectured from these people in their kind of ivory towers and it's like, you know, we're the people living this, like we're the people who are relying on a paycheck every two weeks, whatever, you know, like if this is supporting our family and to me, it's, it's important to have these conversations, whether we're medically, you know, up to snuff or not. Right. It's nowadays, yes. everything, you know, a lot of this seems to, it's just, it's affecting mental health. It's affecting everything. I, I don't think there's any reason that kind of people shouldn't be having this conversation in all walks of life.
1: No. And it, it, uh, it really affects tradespeople in more ways than even than just personally, it, it affects us when our co-workers are affected yep and their families a lot of I I'm not sure about how it how it is in in uh, the electrical trade if you work with a lot of the same people over and over again mm-hmm. but because I work in the I work in in a company in a, in a very small company a family-run company and uh, they're I mean they're, they're self-financed they mm-hmm. there's no big Backers, there's no, um, there's no investors in New York. There's no anything like that. their Their whole lives are on the line in this business, essentially, yeah. Yeah. and and it could fail at, at any minute. It's it's a big, it's a fairly big small business, but we are all affected when one of us is affected, yeah. and and uh, it's become really evident in the past couple of weeks. Here, we had um, a, one of my coworkers another fairly important uh, guy at, at work, as far mm-hmm. as work position is considered uh, concerned, his mother tested positive for COVID and he, his girlfriend had recently seen her yeah. and therefore he was a contact tra- contact trace. And not only now could he not come to work for two weeks, we all have more restrictions at work because there could be, the possibility of a contact trace, but we can't, there's, there's just not enough staff to make up for that. Too many people have, have the inability to come to work. Yeah. And and suddenly
0: I understand like the, kind of the challenges with this when so many people are asymptomatic or, you know, the incubation period for this, like, I can understand those, those, you know, the challenges that it imposes, but I mean, another, another key thing that I think that we could talk about is, being blue collar, being tradespeople, like, you know, you hear about all these people, like, I don't know how many news stories I've read now regarding real estate, like people moving into big houses, because, oh, well, they're never going to go to an office again, they're just going to work from home. And I look at that. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Like that doesn't apply to me at all. Like being a blue collar tradesman, you're working with your hands, like you you are physically going to be on site building something. And so, you know, I don't know if you experience any frustration reading those kind of stories, but it it's just it feels like a a big swath of the population is just kind of like,
1: yeah, don't worry about you guys, you know. I've read so much of that. People yeah. are now moving out of the big cities, out of Toronto, out of the center of Vancouver, and finding the the joy they never had in their lives. And it's just the best time they've and now they're gonna work from home on their acreage, their yeah. their new hobby farm. Yeah. And I, I, just, there is no option for that with us. There's no, I can't, I, I get up at, at, I get up at the crack of before dawn yeah. and, and, uh, and my phone is going to die very soon.
0: Oh, are you able to plug it in or we can start to wind this down? But um, yeah. So as you were saying about kind of the hobby farms and moving out of town and how that is not applicable to us at all. Like yeah. I, I completely agree with you.
1: I, we we're we're up before the sun is up. We're out past the sunset. Yep. We, we are out in the field, getting dirty, working with our hands, getting wet out in the cold. You're, you're exposed to the elements. There's no comfy office atmosphere. Oftentimes a lot of parts of this job require you to do um, partner work. A lot of these things are, I'm lifting heavy, heavy uh, components or heavy pieces that require two people to lift it. Yep. Well, you have to be closer than six feet apart. You you have to go into tight office spaces. I'm running coax cable through ceilings, through floors, through walls, mm-hmm. through office shacks and, and into spaces that have signs on them marked no entry due to COVID-19. And and a lot of it is unsurety. How is this person going to react? Cause I don't know how everyone else views the the restrictions either. Do they believe that are they one of those people that that thinks everybody should stay twelve feet away from me instead of six feet because right. I'm gonna catch something just by looking at somebody sideways? Right. Or are they one of those people that's like, if you come on my site wearing a mask, you you better turn around because you're one of those stupid
0: sheep people. Like, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Cause like, I, I work in primarily the service industry. So a lot of it's service calls, like, you know, I'll, I'll be going into people's houses that they have problems with. Right. And I have such a wide variety of reactions to when I get there, like I, I wear a mask inside. Like I go by the provincial guidelines. I'm in so many houses all the time. And especially yeah. like, you know, it, uh, I find a lot of the time like uh, younger people will kind of fix their own things. They'll change their own light fixtures, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty easy. But a lot of the times, especially if we're changing light fixtures, it's for elderly people. Um, it's not something that they can easily get up on a ladder or hold something above their head. So I'm in and out of a lot of elderly people's houses. So I wear masks all the time in and out of every house, just because I'm trying to protect everybody. Right. I'm doing whatever I can, but I completely agree with you. Some houses I go into, I'm wearing masks. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I- I- you know what? I'm just, I'm following the guidelines, right? I, I'm, you know, after this house, I may be going to somebody's grandma's house. So to me, I can understand that completely, but I also know where you're coming from with dealing with a wide range of reactions and mindsets with this too.
1: Yeah. And, and that's just it too. You, they don't know where you're going or who else might be observing you doing your job. And that's one of the dangers with this as well is that, that, it's not just about your interaction with that person it's how somebody else might view that interaction now which has become so important and i think we could so
0: happy that you brought that up i saw like i saw the funniest meme probably yesterday it was something so it says beginning of 2020 quote unquote we're all in this together end quote (laughs) end of 2020 quote call this hotline to report your neighbor (laughs) I guess, yeah, that's that's yeah. exactly how it is. And it's like nobody's ever read a history book right on the 20th right. century. But yeah, you know, you're right. that That's a very valid point that you made there.
1: Yeah, it it's quite scary. And again, one of those things you just kind of now it's built in. It's a built in defense mechanism. Do I have to fear my neighbor? Yeah, we really should not have to fear our neighbors. We really shouldn't fear our neighbors. No. ever. no.
0: No, if you think about it, like your neighbors should be the ones there for you. You know, I, you know, you're there for your neighbors. They're there for you. Like that's kind of your, your closest, most immediate support network, really, if anything really hits the fan. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm, I'm completely with you. It's, it's, um, it's a weird feeling right now. Like I know, I know at least the city of New York and certain areas of California had had tip lines to call in and they were actually offering financial reward if you if you had ratted out people. and uh, But I know at least the New York one got so flooded with fake calls or reporting the governor or the mayor to this tip line that they just shut it down because people were like, <laughs> screw this. We're not doing this, right? Which I thought was amazing. Like that that was really optimistic to me, um, but, is, yeah. but my sister, she's a, a personal trainer and she works with uh, several RCMP members, um, yep. keeping them fit. And uh, she was saying that talking to these RCMP members they're the majority of their callouts now are on businesses that aren't quote following the rules or on residences, not following the rules. So neighbors primarily. Right. Which yeah. is, is terrifying
1: to me. It is like it that's, is, it's quite a shift and it yeah. happened very quickly, very it, quickly. Very well that quote, like you said, um, no stereotype exists in a void. Yeah, That meme is in a sense, a stereotype, but yeah. it does not exist in a void because the beginning of this year was really looking up. It yeah. was it for a lot of people and in a lot of different ways. And it was like that. Everybody is, is, is your friend. Every neighbor is, you know, yeah, we're going to
0: get it. through this together.
1: We're going to get through this together. Yeah. And suddenly here we all are telling your neighbor, everyone else needs to follow by these rules that i think i made up in my mind that should be even stricter than what the province says yeah
0: yeah exactly and you being my neighbor be damned i'm gonna rat you out like it's it's scary to me man it's something i think that's honestly the scariest part to me i'm not i trust me in the past i've gone down conspiracy rabbit holes (laughs) I've gone deep down them. I've don't do them anymore. It's just, they're so crazy, especially nowadays. But, but that yeah. kind of stuff is alarming to me. Like it's not, yeah. uh, not trying to be an alarmist, but it is something that, you know, I think people should be mindful of. Like, I mean, yeah. like I said, pick up, pick up any book that refers to the USSR or the rise of Nazism in Germany, anything, anything having to do with any kind of a totalitarian society this is how it starts and it's not it's not something to be yeah like i said i'm not trying to be an alarmist but it's something that you know we have so many examples of how horribly wrong this can go why why would you voluntarily do that to somebody you know or your neighbor
1: it starts as a small ripple yeah and turns into a wave Mm -hmm. which turns into a flood
0: yeah and it's already like you said it's already ingrained in our mindsets to be mindful of it you know it's yeah it's in us (laughs) it's it's scary same with just you know that idea of tribalism which seems to be at an all-time high right now especially following the u.s election it it really
1: does yeah it's Uh, it's alarming it is and and it's it's frustrating to see people view other people only through the lens of what group they can be associated with instead of just seeing them individually or each situation individually or or any any business individually like you said i i wish that we could be treated as as responsible equal adults yeah and and be able to make informed decisions but part of that would be being able to have the numbers have the knowledge and and then being kind of part of being informed is also being taught and the government hasn't been doing a lot of teaching on this it seems to be more a lot of we know and you just need to listen
0: yeah and i mean like even looking at so looking at these numbers that alberta did put out so of there i believe it's 524 deaths which again we're not taking we're not taking a single thing away from these deaths we're not you know we i I understand it's serious we're not this this isn't meant to be calloused or in any way you know, disrespectful to anybody, but of their 524 deaths, they have at least with one, sorry, the number of deaths with zero comorbidity factors is 11 out of 524. So that's 2.3% of their deaths have been where you have no comorbidity factor. They also do not list being above 80 as a comorbidity. So we don't know the age group on those 11. But the idea that you know some of them may be just extremely old age, but be healthy, that isn't actually classified as a comorbidity factor. And then you know, so if if two point three percent of the people don't have something else that is um, really affecting their health, and then if you look at just the number of deaths overall, so of their of their recovered cases compared to the deaths, I mean, this isn't looking at infection rate or anything. This is of people who are infected, but Let's see, we can do some quick math. So, they Alberta, and again, we're doing Alberta because it's the only one that's really released accurate numbers. So, they have 524 deaths plus uh, 39,381 cases. This is as of what day is it today, November 28th. So, that gives them a total caseload of combined deaths and recovered of 39,905. So, 524 deaths by that. That gives them you know, a death rate of one point three percent compared to recovered cases. And then of that one point three percent, two point three percent of that has no comorbidity factors.
1: Yeah. You so know? it's it, it's it's like um I'm a minuscule, like a hundredth of, of a of a of a or a tenth of a percent.
0: Yeah, let's see what that is. It's looks like point zero 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 three zero two. So and this the isn't three,
1: three one thousandths of a percent.
0: Yeah. And this isn't, I'm again, we're not trying to be, you know, in any way insensitive, but this, yeah. if anything, should be, um, you know, optimistic. Like if this is a disease that we're going to overcome and it's something that I think, you know, I think the government should be talking a lot about just doing whatever you can to boost your immune system to you know, be as face this as healthy as possible. I don't, I don't think that's something that's a message that's being conveyed enough necessarily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't. And, and honestly, um, like we said before, yeah. the, the mental health yeah. aspect really plays into this. If um, it's been shown in multiple studies before, and mm-hmm. I, I can't quote any, because I don't have that amazing You know, picture and we're tradespeople.
0: You know, we read stuff and then we forget it. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) I read that manual last week. That's not important.
0: Trust me, Uh, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But there have been so many studies on the effects of a positive mentality, of a positive outlook, a a positive mentality and a positive outlook on your life does have a positive correlation to better health. And longer life and a happier uh, general uh, outcome. A, a people report being happier, having yeah. a, a positive mental support and a positive mental, mental outlook.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it just helps stave off you know the the everyday things that we're dealing with you know be it um, depression, uh, like I said, substance abuse or domestic violence. It all those things are all just kind of. Um, yeah different subsets of what happens when you don't have those things in place and it's it's terrifying to me it's horrible
1: no it it certainly is and and um i like how you re- re- referenced to depression there i mean i i have come to believe over the period of my life the short period of my life but i, I struggled with depression a lot in in my earlier years and i believed depression was a a disease that I would never overcome. It was something that was permanent in my brain Mm -hmm. that, that, that had happened to me. And I didn't, I had that, I definitely had that victim mentality with depression before Mm -hmm. and it, it never helped. It never, ever helped. And, and I don't think that you can just um, you can say to, to shorten it up. You can't just say in general, like, the, you can just beat depression by by going out and, and having a community of people by um, by doing being active by finding um, you know a, a, a successful employment um, you know by having these things in your life that cause you to have positive experiences that's not going to fix or, or change your depression but it certainly can't hurt it No, absolutely can't hurt it. And and the only thing you're going to do by shutting all of those things down from an outside source is increase the 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 occurrences of that of depression or the chances of people who like me had previously struggled with depression relapsing into it. Yeah. Greatly increase.
0: Yeah. Like I yeah, I'm I'm really grateful that you're opened up about that. Like to me, I don't think. I don't think I've ever had um, clinical depression as it would be like, I've gone through bouts of it, but I think it was more circumstantial. You know, when we had our miscarriage, I mm-hmm. was oh yeah, down, down, right? Like there I've gone through sp- periods in life where I think I've experienced bouts of it, but I'm, I'm lucky that I don't have that disposition to it and I'm, yeah, I, I consider myself very lucky. I've heard lots of stories. I know lots of family members. I know lots of people who have experienced serious bouts of clinical depression. Whereas I'm, again, I consider myself very lucky. I've gone through circumstantial depression, but it, I don't think it's really ingrained in me um, genetically, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Um, but yeah, I mean, like hearing you open up about that, I think that's incredible. That's something... It's good to hear that kind of stuff and just that people have gotten through it in different ways. And I know, I mean, I know for myself, like, and I'm sure you have the same experience, but becoming a dad and having a family, it just like I'm smiling now talking about it. I like it, it just it's something that you know it's it's it it's different. It changes your life. It's not you're talking about doing a 180 comparing small town life to big town life, but talk about not having kids to having kids that is a 180 and in a completely different like stratosphere it's, it's it,
1: it like puts you on a different plane of existence yeah. really yeah it, you just you not, can't you, you can't even contemplate how it was before yeah you don't exist in the same universe anymore it no. really is it i loved how when you were talking when you were interviewing um oh shoot i forgot his name the Maybe. guy who had this, this spinal injury.
0: Oh Dustin.
1: Dustin, D- yes. that, Dustin that
0: honestly that is he has changed my outlook uh yes. incredibly. I yes. incredibly. But yeah, sorry, but go ahead. I cut you off. Like
1: like you were saying about having kids with him, it it I, I was I was I really identifying with that when you were talking about how you when you held your first when you held your first son. Yeah and and for the first time you know, luckily for me when uh when Lisa had our son, um, she was out because due to a C-section. So I got to hold him for a long time. Oh,
0: that's amazing. My own.
1: Oh yeah. man. yeah. I, rem- I remember that feeling. Like you said, you'll never forget it. I remember that feeling like it was yesterday. Yeah.
0: And there's no way to no. properly explain it. Like the you words can't. just you don't can't. come to you. No,
1: there's no words for it. I think, I think there's a reason for that. You just yeah. meant to enjoy it. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and it is, it is quite something, um, yeah, to, it, it totally changes you. It changes you as a person.
0: And have you found it's made you like mentally stronger? Like I know for me anyway, it's like, I, I always have that in the back of my mind that I have to be a certain way for my kids. So I, it helps me, I think in the way I respond to different challenges myself, because yes, it's a little bit more pressure. I, I understand that there is a bit more pressure on it because I have to, I have to be there for my family at the same time, but it gives me, I don't know. It almost gives me this boost to kind of deal with it, that I, I have this strength. I have these people behind me. Like I, I can get through a lot more. I feel like anyway.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that it's, it's not only, it's not only a, a, a pressure motivator mm-hmm. where I have to, I have to maybe not so much perform, but I have to produce for yeah. them. Yep. I have to, they depend on me. They're their dependents yep. as they, as they would be identified, but they are very dependent on me and on Lisa and on us as a couple. Absolutely. Being unified together. And, and they, they pick up. I love what Rachel Cruz says about this. They're more as caught than taught. You could tell them whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And if you don't show it, or if you show something else, you're doing something it's uh, it they really pick up on that and they learn and they, and they learn in ways that you don't even understand. And so it, it really motivates you to not only just to do better because somebody's watching, but you, it's sort of like working in the trades. You have, you, you, you work at something and you produce something and you get to see the result. Well, we work hard at raising our kids. We get to see the results. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes you get to see the results pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially when you mess up,
0: those seems to pop up way faster. You, up, you get to see the results way faster. Oh yeah. my goodness. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Our, our kids just first learning to talk. It was <laughs> actually. And I remember one of us let something go mid sentence. And like all of a sudden he just pipes in shit. We're like, Oh my God. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah you're like, uh, he, he repeated it. And uh yeah, we got caught pretty quickly. So it's, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, uh, yeah, yeah that, I agree completely yeah it's it's funny anytime you, you know you kind of start to talk about parenthood and kids it's it's just a smile on your face and I I don't know if you feel this way too but I like to kind of relate the way you teach and you mentor your kids to kind of apprentices because I, I I view yes. it a lot of the same way a lot of the time because you're trying to impart whatever knowledge or wisdom you have in a given field to them and I uh, yeah I find there's a lot of uh, kind of yeah commonalities between
1: the two. There is. And mm-hmm. and that's another one of the challenges with this, with this, uh, with the lockdowns and with COVID is, is just trying to, trying to find people to, to train a lot of people. One of the, the challenges that we've had in particular is finding people who actually want to work now. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's been one of the biggest challenges, people who want to work. We have people. Uh, we've, we've, we've had way less applications. We don't have, we don't, we don't have enough people to pick from to, mm-hmm. to find good employees. We have people, we had a guy we hired, thought, thought was going to really work out and just never showed up showing up and and doing what you say are going to do, you know, just being teachable are is that's 50% of the job right there. It's just showing up really. I, um, I and a lot of people agree. are just not showing up right now. Yep. And yeah. it is looking at really, really difficult. Uh, and we just, we really need a lot more. I feel, I feel this is m- only my opinion. I feel like we need a little bit more positive reinforcement from our government and our health officials and saying, yeah. Hey, look, they, this, the cases are going up, but we're testing more people. So um,
0: I agree. All it takes is the cases
1: are going to go up. Yeah. We, um, but all it takes is framing
0: at, the perspective of the way that you're looking from, at these numbers the
1: perspective. Yeah. Look, but we are also doing a better job at taking care of these cases yeah. because less people are dying now. And I've, and a, in Canada as a whole, the numbers of deaths as a percentage of total cases is on a downward track. Perfect. So we, we are doing a better job now than we were before. Why can't we say that? We're I We're doing a better job now we did before so either the the lockdowns or part of the lockdown measures are working or the masks are working so we can say good job pat on the bat yeah because positive reinforcement will always work better than fear fear is quicker and it's easier yeah but but in the end people will always work harder towards a goal that they think is winning rather than running away from a goal they think is losing.
0: Absolutely. Like you said, that kind of encouragement and kind of the positive idea brings people together. Whereas all this fear is just dividing us. It's just creating (laughs) more division. And I, you know what I, I think I know it's getting late, especially late for you. You're an hour ahead of me even, but I, uh, I know we could talk about this for (laughs) honestly for hours at this stage, but I really like kind of where that left off is just framing it in a more positive light. And I think that's, that's a good message to kind of leave off on for tonight. And I know, I know you were nervous coming into this, but honestly, how, how did it go? Like it, it felt pretty to me anyway, it felt really easy. It felt natural.
1: It, it, it did. And I, I feel like I, I definitely lost track or went off track a a few times there. It happens
0: every episode,
1: every episode. But I, I hope that the listeners out there can really take uh, this part about the positivity but try to see the, see the positive parts. There have been lots of positives through this. Absolutely. There, there have been so many positive things to come about this, even if you've, if you've only learned something about yourself through this. Um, everyone, every event changes everyone. And you can let this be a positive change in your life. You have the ability to happen to this rather than this just to happen to you. We can happen to COVID-19.
0: Yeah. And any any change, any growth in your life is going to be uncomfortable. Like that's part of part of change and growth. And if you can take like, I completely agree with you. I know I've said this before too. take whatever you can out of this any lessons that you can and move forward with that newfound knowledge. It's only going to enhance your life down the road, right? Same with yeah. And I I think you've laid out a couple of great examples already in this episode. And if you're ever open to it again, I will gladly have you on again because we can bounce ideas off really easily. So (laughs) this was one of the smoothest, most natural interviews I've I've done yet. So um, yeah, if you want to hang on the line, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, if you want to say goodbye or any parting words, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's, it's been a blast and it definitely was a lot easier than I thought it would be and uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear if you do decide to air this, uh, this interview in any part or whole. Oh, it's coming I'm out. I'm excited to hear, and I, I'm sure that your podcast will only continue to grow from here. Uh, it, you are going to be a great success, I can already tell.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much, man, and uh, we're definitely going to do this again. Once again, I'd like to really give a heartfelt thank you to Nathan for joining me. I know that he had expressed just some nerves and kind of coming on here and doing the interview process and kind of putting his voice out there. But I think it came across remarkably well. He's incredibly intelligent. He's very articulate. And I really enjoy kind of bouncing these ideas off him. And so again, I really I I plan on having him on again in the future. I really enjoy talking to him. And it was nice to kind of catch up because we grew up together. And then he kind of moved away a, a number of years ago. And it's, you know, it's tough to keep on on top of that relationship when we both have kids. And so, I really valued that time to just catch up with him up above everything else. So, all right, everybody, uh, that's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, comment, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you guys have given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you guys again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook and at Jacket Plaid on Twitter. That that concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.